0: chapter eleven of the children of the abbey this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by Bethany mcgill the children of the abbey by regina maria roche chapter eleven from the loud camp retired and noisy court in honorable ease and rural sport the remnant of his days he safely passed nor found they lived too slow nor flew too fast he made his wish with his estate comply joyful to live yet not afraid to die one child he had a daughter chaste and fair his age's comfort and his fortune's heir prior oscar's regiment on his first joining it in ireland was quartered in enniskillen the corps was agreeable and the inhabitants of the town hospitable and polite he felt all the delight of a young and enterprising mind at entering what appeared to him the road to glory and pleasure. Many of his idle mornings were spent in rambling about the country, sometimes accompanied by a party of officers, and sometimes alone. In one of his solitary excursions along the beautiful banks of Loch with a light fusee on his shoulders, as the woods that almost descended to the very edge of the water abounded in game. After proceeding a few miles, he felt quite exhausted by the heat, which, as it was now the middle of summer, was intense. At a little distance he perceived an orchard, whose glowing apples promised a delightful repast. Knowing that the fruit in many of the neighbouring places was kept for sale, he resolved, on trying if any was to be purchased here, and accordingly opened a small gate, and ascended through a grass-grown path in the orchard, to a very plain white cottage, which stood upon a gentle sloping lawn, surrounded by a rude paling. He knocked against the door with his fusee, and immediately a little rosy girl appeared. "'Tell me, my pretty lass,' cried he.' "'whether I can purchase any of the fine apples I see here.' "'Anon!' exclaimed the girl with a foolish stare. Oscar, glancing at that moment into the passage, saw, from a half-open door, nearly opposite to the one at which he stood, a beautiful fair face peeping out. He involuntarily started, and pushing aside the girl, made a step into the passage. The room door directly opened, and an elderly woman of a genteel figure and pleasing countenance appeared. "'Good heaven!' cried Oscar, taking off his hat and retreating i fear i have been guilty of the highest impertinence the only apology i can offer for it is by saying it was not intentional i am quite a stranger here and having been informed most of the orchard's hereabouts contained fruits for sale i intruded under that idea your mistake sir she replied with a benevolent smile is too trifling to require an apology nor shall it be attended with any disappointment to you she then politely showed him into the parlor where with equal pleasure and admiration he contemplated the fair being of whom before he had but a transient glance. She appeared to be scarcely seventeen, and was, both as to face and figure, what a painter would have chosen to copy the portrait of a little playful hebe. Though below even the middle size, she was formed with the nicest symmetry. Her skin was of a dazzling fairness, and so transparent that the veins were clearly discernible. The softest blush of nature shaded her beautifully rounded cheeks. Her mouth was small and pouting, and whenever she smiled, a thousand graces sported round it her eyes were full under the heavenly blue soft yet animated giving like the expression of her whole countenance at once an idea of innocence spirit and sensibility her hair of the palest and most glossy brown hung carelessly about her and though dressed in a loose morning gown of muslin she possessed an air of fashion and even consequence the easy manner in which she bore the looks of oscar proclaimed her at once not unaccustomed to admiration nor displeased with that she now received that oscar admired her could not but be visible and he sometimes fancied he saw an arch smile playing over her features at the involuntary glances he directed towards her a fine basket of apples and some delicious cider was brought to oscar and he found his entertainer as hospitable in disposition as she was pleasing in conversation the beautiful interior of the cottage by no means corresponded with the plainness of the exterior The furniture was elegantly neat, and the room ornamented with a variety of fine prints and landscapes. A large folding-glass door opened from it into a pleasure garden. Adela, so was the charming young stranger called, chatted in the most lively and familiar terms, and at last running over to the basket, tossed the apples all about the table, and picking out the finest, presented them to Oscar. It is scarcely necessary to say he received them with emotion. But how transient is all sublunary bliss a cuckoo clock over oscar's head by striking three reminded him that he had passed near two hours in the cottage oh heavens cried he starting i have made a most unconscionable intrusion you see my dear ladies bowing respectfully to both the consequence of being too polite and too fascinating he repeated his thanks in the most animated manner and snatching up his hat departed yet not without casting one longing lingering look behind the sound of footsteps after him in the lawn made him turn and he perceived the ladies had followed him thither. He stopped again to speak to them, and extolled the lovely prospect they had from that eminence of the lake and its scattered islands. "'I presume,' said Adela, handling the fusee on which he leaned, "'you are trying your success to-day in fowling." "'Yes, but as you may perceive, I have been unsuccessful.' "'Then I assure you,' said she, with an arch smile, "'there is choice game to be found in our woods.' "'Delicious game indeed!' cried he, interpreting the archness of her look and animated by it to touch her hand but only tantalizing to a keen sportsman who sees it elevated above his reach. come come exclaimed the old lady with a sudden gravity we are detaining the gentleman she took his fair companion by the arm and hastily turned to the cottage oscar gazed after them a moment then with a half-smothered sigh descended to the road he could not help thinking this incident of the morning very like the novel adventures he had sometimes read to his sister amanda as she sat at work And, to complete the resemblance, thought he, I must fall in love with the little heroine. Ah, Oscar, beware of such imprudence. Guard your heart with all your care against tender impressions, till fortune has been more propitious to you. Thus would my father speak, mused Oscar, and set his own misfortunes in terrible array before me, were he now present. Well, I must endeavour to act as if he were here to exhort me. Hi-ho, proceeded he, shouldering his fusee, glory for some time to come must be my mistress. The next morning the fusee was again taken down and he sallied out carefully avoiding the officers lest any of them should offer to accompany him for he felt a strange reluctance to their participating in either the smiles of adela or the apples of the old lady upon his arrival at the orchard finding the gate open he advanced a few steps up the path and had a glimpse of the cottage but no object was visible oscar was too modest to attempt entering it uninvited he therefore turned back yet often cast a look behind him No one, however, was to be seen. He now began to feel the heat oppressive, and himself fatigued with his walk, and sat down upon a moss-covered stone on the margin of the lake, at a little distance from the cottage, beneath the spreading branches of a hawthorn. His hat and fusee were laid at his feet, and a cool breeze from the water refreshed him. Upon its smooth surface a number of boats and small sail-vessels were now gliding about in various directions, and enlivened the enchanting prospect which was spread upon the bosom of the lake from contemplating it he was suddenly roused by the warble of a female voice he started turned and beheld adela just by him bless me cried she who would have thought of seeing you here why you look quite fatigued and i believe want apples to-day as much as you did yesterday then sitting down on the seat he had resigned she tossed off her bonnet declaring it was insupportably warm and began ravaging a small work-bag she held on her arm oscar snatching the bonnet from the ground adela flung apples into it observing it would make an excellent basket he sat down at her feet and never perhaps felt such a variety of emotions as at the present moment his cheeks glowed with a brighter color and his eyes were raised to hers with the most ardent admiration yet not to them alone could he confine the expression of his feelings they broke in half-formed sentences from his lips which adela heard with the most perfect composure Desiring him either to eat or pocket his apples quickly, as she wanted her bonnet, being in a great hurry to return to the cottage, from which she had made a kind of stolen march. The apples were instantly committed to his pocket, and he was permitted to tie on the bonnet. A depraved man might have misinterpreted the gaiety of Adela, or at least endeavored to take advantage of her, but the sacred impression of virtue, which nature and education had stamped upon the heart of Oscar, was indelibly fixed, and he neither suspected, nor for worlds would have attempted injuring the innocence of adela he beheld her in what indeed was a true light as a little playful nymph whose actions were the offspring of innocence i assure you exclaimed she rising i am very loath to quit this pleasant seat but if i make a much longer delay i shall find the lady of the cottage in anxious expectation may i advance said oscar as he pushed open the gate for her If you do, replied she, the least that will be said from seeing us together is that we were in search of each other the whole of the morning. Well, cried Oscar, laughing at this careless speech, and if they do say so, it would not be doing me injustice. Adieu, adieu, said she, waving her hand, not another word for a kingdom. What a compound of beauty and guineas it is, thought Oscar, watching her till she entered the cottage. As he returned from the sweet spot, he met some laborers, from whom he inquired concerning its owner and learned she was a respectable widow lady of the name of Marlowe. On Oscar's return from Anna he heard from the officers that General Honeywood, an old veteran who had a fine estate about fourteen miles from the town, was that morning to pay his compliments to them, and that cards had been left for a grand fete and ball, which he annually gave on the first of July, to commemorate one of the glorious victories of King William. Every person of any fashion in and about the neighbourhood was on such occasions sure of an invitation and the officers were pleased with theirs, as they had for some time wished for an opportunity of seeing the general's daughter, who was very much admired. The general, like a true veteran, retained an enthusiastic attachment for the profession of arms, to which not only the morning but the meridian of his life had been devoted, and which he had not quitted till compelled by a debilitated constitution. Seated in his paternal mansion, he began to experience the want of a faithful companion, who would heighten the enjoyments of the tranquil hour and soothe the infirmities of age. This want was soon supplied by his union with a young lady in the neighborhood, whose only dowry was innocence and beauty. From the great disparity of their ages, it was concluded she had married for convenience, but the tenor of her conduct changed this opinion by proving the general possessed her tenderest affections. A happier couple were not known, but this happiness was terminated as suddenly, as fatally by her death, which happened two years after the birth of her daughter. All the general's love was then centered in her child. Many of the ladies in the neighborhood, induced by the well-known felicity his lady had enjoyed, or by the largeness of his fortune, made attempts to engage him again in matrimonial toils. But he fought shy of them all, solemnly declaring he would never bring a stepmother over his dear girl. In her infancy, she was his plaything, and as she grew up, his comfort. Caressed, flattered, adored from her childhood, she scarcely knew the meaning of harshness and contradiction. A naturally sweet disposition, and the superintending care of an excellent woman, prevented any pernicious effect from such excessive indulgence as she received. To disguise her duplicity, she was a perfect stranger. Her own feelings were never concealed, and others, she supposed, equally sincere in revealing theirs. True, the open avowal of her regard or contempt often incurred the imputation of imprudence, but had she even heard it, she would have only laughed at it the general declared whatever she said was right and her own heart assured her of the innocence of her intentions as she grew up the house again became the seat of gaiety the general though very infirm felt his convivial spirit revive delighted in the society of his friends and could still shoulder his crutch and show how fields were won oscar actuated by an impulse which if he could he at least did not strive to account for continued daily to parade before the orchard but without again seeing adela At length, the day for General Honeywood's entertainment arrived, and the officers, accompanied by a large party, set off early for Woodlawn, the name of the general's seat. It was situated on the borders of the lake, where they found barges waiting to convey them to a small island, which was the scene of the morning's amusement. The breakfast was laid out amidst the ruins of an ancient building, which, from the venerable remains of its Gothic elegance, was most probably, in the days of religious enthusiasm, the seat of sacred piety. The old trees and groups formed a thick canopy overhead, and the ivy that crept along the walls filled up many of the niches where the windows had formerly been. Those that still remained open, by descending on the ground, afforded a most enchanting prospect of the lake. The long succession of arches, which composed the body of the chapel, were in many places covered with creeping moss and scattered over with wallflowers, blue harebells, and other spontaneous productions of nature while between them were placed seats and breakfast tables ornamental and a fanciful manner the officers experienced a most agreeable surprise on entering but how inferior were their feelings to the sensations which Oscar felt when introduced to the party by the general to his daughter he beheld in miss Honeywood the lovely Adela she seemed to enjoy his surprise and mrs Marlowe from the opposite side of the table beckoned him to her with an arch look he flew round and she made room for him by herself well my friend cried she do you think you shall find the general's fruit as tempting as mine ah exclaimed oscar half sighing half smiling hesperian fruit i fear which i can never hope to obtain adela's attention during breakfast was too much engrossed by the company to allow her to notice oscar more than by a few hasty words and smiles there being no dancing till the evening the company after breakfast dispersed according to their various inclinations The island was diversified with little acclivities, and scattered over with wild shrubs, which embalmed the air. Temporary arbors of laurel, intermingled with lilies, were erected and laid out with fruits, ices, and other refreshments. Upon the edge of the water, a marquee was pitched for the regimental band, which Colonel Belgrave had politely complimented the general with. A flag was hoisted on it, and upon a low eminence, a few small field pieces were mounted. Attendants were everywhere dispersed dressed in white streamers ornamented with a profusion of orange-colored ribbons. The boatmen were dressed in the same livery, and the barges, in which several of the party were to visit the other islands, made a picturesque appearance with their gay streamers fluttering in the breeze. The music, now softly dying away upon the water, now gradually swelling on the breeze, and echoed back by the neighboring hills, added to the pleasures of the scene. Oscar followed the footsteps of Adela, but at the very moment in which he saw her disengaged from a large party, the general hallooed to him from a shady bank on which he sat oscar could not refuse the summons and as he approached the general extending his hand gave him a cordial squeeze and welcomed him as the son of a brave man he had once intimately known i recollected the name of fitz allen said he the moment i heard it mentioned and had the happiness of learning from colonel belgrave i was not mistaken in believing you to be the son of my old friend he now made several inquiries concerning fitzallen and the affectionate manner in which he mentioned him was truly pleasing to oscar he had once he said saved his life at the imminent danger of his own and it was an obligation while that life remained he could not forget like don guzman and gil blas the general delighted in fighting over his battles and now proceeded to enumerate many incidents which happened during the american war when he and fitzallen served in the same regiment oscar could well have dispensed with such an enumeration but the general, who had no idea that he was not as much delighted in listening as he was in speaking, still went on. Adela had been watching them some time. Her patience, at length, like Oscar's, being exhausted, she ran forward and told her father, "'He must not detain him at other moment, for they were going upon the lake, and you know, Papa,' cried she, "'against we come back, you can have all your battles arranged in proper form, though, by the by, I don't think it is the business of an old soldier to intimidate a young one with such dreadful tales of iron wars.' The general called her saucy baggage, kissed her with rapture, and saw her trip off with his young friend, who seized the favorable opportunity to engage her for the first set in the evening. About four, the company assembled in the abbey to dinner. The band played during the repast, the toasts were proclaimed by sound of trumpet, and answered by an immediate discharge from the mount. At six, the ladies returned to Woodlawn to change their dresses for the ball, and now awful beauty put on all its charms. Tea and coffee were served in the respective rooms, and by eleven the ballroom was completely crowded with company, at once brilliant and lively, particularly the gentlemen, who were not a little elevated by the general's potent levations to the glorious memory of him whose victory they were celebrating. Adela, adorned in a style superior to what Oscar had yet seen, appeared more lovely than he had even at first thought her. Her dress, which was of thin muslin, spangled, was so contrived as to give a kind of aerial lightness to her figure. Oscar reminded her of the promise of the morning. At the very moment the colonel approached for the purpose of engaging her, she instantly informed him of her engagement to Mister Fitz-Allen. Mister Fitzallen repeated the general with the haughty air of a man who thought he had reason be offended. He has been rather precipitate indeed, but though we may envy, who shall wonder at his anxiety to engage Miss Honeywood? Dancing now commenced, and the elegant figure of Adela never appeared to greater advantage. The transported general watched every movement and incomparable by jove what a sweet angel she is were expressions of admiration which involuntarily broke from him in the pride and fondness of his heart oscar too whose figure was remarkably fine shared his admiration and he declared to colonel belgrave he did not think the world could produce such another couple this assertion was by no means pleasing to the Colonel. he possessed as much vanity perhaps as ever fell to the share of a young belle conscious of perfections and detested the idea of having any competitor at least such a powerful one as oscar and the good graces of the ladies adela having concluded the dance complained of fatigue and retired to an alcove whither oscar followed her the window commanded a view of the lake the little island and the ruined abbey the moon in full splendor cast her silvery light over all those objects giving a softness to the landscape even more pleasing than the glowing charms it had derived from the radiancy of day adela in dancing had dropped the bandeau from her hair oscar took it up and still retained it adela now stretched forth her hand to take it allow me cried he gently taking her hand to keep it to-morrow you would cast it away as a trifle but i would treasure it as a relic of inestimable value let me have some memento of the charming hours i have passed to-day oh a truce said adela with such expressions who did not however oppose his putting her bandeau in his bosom they are quite commonplace and have already been repeated to hundreds and will again i make no doubt this is your opinion yes really oh would to heaven exclaimed oscar i durst convince you how mistaken a one it is adela laughing assured him that would be a difficult matter oscar grew pensive i think cried he if oppressed by misfortune i should have all places on earth like a seclusion in the old abbey why really said adela it is tolerably calculated for a hermitage and if you take a solitary whim i beg i may be apprised of it in time as i should receive peculiar pleasure in preparing your mossy couch and frugal fare the reason for my liking it replied he would be the prospect i should have from it of woodlawn and does woodlawn asked adela contain such particular charms as to render a view of it so very delightful at this moment they were summoned to call a new dance a summons perhaps not agreeable to either as it interrupted an interesting tete-a-tete the colonel engaged adela for the next set and though oscar had no longer an inclination to dance to avoid particularity he stood up and with a young lady who was esteemed extremely handsome adela as if fatigued no longer moved with animation and suddenly interrupted the colonel on a gallant speech he was making to her to inquire if he thought Miss O'Neill, Oscar's partner, pretty, so very pretty as she was generally thought. The colonel was too keen not to discover at once the motive which suggested this inquiry. Why, Faith, cried he, after examining Miss O'Neill some minutes through an opera-glass, The girl has charms, but so totally eclipsed, looking languishingly at Adela, in my eyes, that I cannot do them the justice they may perhaps merit fitz however by the homage he pays her seems as if he would make up for the deficiency of every other person adela turned pale and took the first opportunity of demanding her Vandolf Oscar. he smilingly refused it declaring it was a trophy of the happiness he had enjoyed that day and that the general should have informed her a soldier never relinquished such a glorious memento resign mine replied adela and procure one for miss o'neill no cried he i would not pay her charms and my own sincerity so bad a compliment as to ask what i should not in the least degree value adela's spirits revived and she repeated her request no more the dancing continued after supper with little intermission till seven when the company repaired to the salon to breakfast after which they dispersed the general particularly and affectionately bid oscar farewell and charged him to consider woodlawn as his headquarters be assured said the good-natured old man The son of my brave, worthy, and long-respected friend will ever be valuable to my heart and welcome to my home. And would to heaven, in the calm evening of life, your father and I had pitched our tents nearer each other. From this period, Oscar became almost an inmate of his house, and the general shortly grew so attached to him that he felt unhappy if deprived of his society. The attentions he received from Oscar were such as an affectionate son would pay a tender father. He supported his venerable friend whenever he attempted to walk attended him in all the excursions he made about his domain read to him when he wanted to be lulled to sleep and listened without betraying any symptoms of fatigue to his long and often truly tiresome stories of former battles and campaigns in paying these attentions oscar obeyed the dictates of gratitude and esteem and also gratified a benevolent disposition happy in being able to rock the cradle of declining age but his time was not so entirely engrossed by the general as to prevent his having many hours to devote to adela with her he alternately conversed, read, and sung, rambled with her through romantic paths or rode along the beautiful borders of Loch Erne, was almost her constant escort to all the parties she went to in the neighbourhood, and frequently accompanied her to the hovels of wretchedness, where the woes which extorted the soft tear of commiseration he saw amply relieved by her generous hand. Admiring her as he did before, how impossible was it for Oscar, in these dangerous tete-a-tetes, to resist the progress of a tender passion? A passion, however, confined, as far at least as silence could confine it, to his own heart. The confidence which he thought the general reposed in him, by allowing such an intercourse with his daughter, was too sacred in his estimation to be abused, but though his honor resisted, his health yielded to his feelings. Adela, from delighting in company, suddenly took a pensive turn. She declined the constant society she had hitherto kept up, and seemed in a solitary ramble with oscar to enjoy more pleasure than the gayest party appeared to afford her the favorite spot they visited almost every evening was the path on the margin of the lake at the foot of a woody mountain here often seated they viewed the sun sinking behind the opposite hills and while they enjoyed the benignancy of his departing beams beheld him tinge the trembling waves with gold and purple the low whistle of the ploughman returning to his humble cottage the plaintive carol of birds from the adjacent grove and the low bleating of cattle from pastures which swelled above the water all these by giving the softest and most pleasing charms of nature to the hour contrived to touch yet more sensibly hearts already prepossessed in favour of each other adela would sometimes sing a little simple air and carelessly leaning on the arm of oscar appeared to enjoy perfect felicity not so poor oscar the feelings of his soul at these moments trembled on his lips and to repress them was agony an incident soon occurred which endeared him yet more to the general driving one day in a low faton along a road cut over a mountain the horses frightened by a sudden firing from the lake began rearing in the most frightful manner the carriage stood near a tremendous precipice and the servants appalled by terror had not power to move oscar saw that nothing but an effort of desperate resolution could keep them from destruction he leaped out and rushing before the horses seized their heads at the imminent hazard of being tumbled down the precipice on whose very verge he stood the servants a little relieved from their terror hastened to his assistance the traces were cut and the poor general whose infirmities had weakened his spirits conveyed home in almost a state of insensibility adela perceiving him from her dressing-room window flew down and learning his danger fell upon his neck in an agony of mingled joy and terror her caresses soon revived him and as he returned them his eyes eagerly sought his deliverer oscar stood near with mingled tenderness and anxiety in his looks the general took his hand and whilst he pressed it along with adela's to his bosom tears fell on them you are both my children he exclaimed the children of my love and from your felicity i must derive mine this expression oscar conceived to be a mere effusion of gratitude little thinking what a project relative to him had entered the general's head who had first, however, consulted and learned from his daughter it would be agreeable to her. This generous, some will say romantic, old man felt for Oscar the most unbounded love and gratitude, and as the best proof of both, he resolved to bestow on this young soldier his rich and lovely heiress, who had acknowledged to her father her predilection for him. He knew his birth to be noble, his disposition amiable, and his spirit brave. Besides, by this union he should secure the society of Adela. He wished her married, yet dreaded, whenever that event took place, he should be deprived of her, but Oscar, he supposed, bound to him by gratitude, would, unlike others, accede to his wishes of residing at Woodlawn during his lifetime. His project he resolved on communicating to Colonel Belgrave, whom, on Oscar's account, he regarded, as Oscar had said, what indeed he believed, that he was partly indebted to him for his commission. What a thunderstroke was this to Belgrave, who arrived at Woodlawn the morning after the resolution was finally settled, and was asked to accompany the General, about a little business, to the summer house in the garden. Poor Oscar trembled. He felt a presentiment he should be the subject of discourse, and had no doubt but the General meant to complain to Colonel Belgrave, as a person who had some authority over him, about his great particularity to Miss Honeywood rage envy and surprise kept the colonel silent some minutes after the general had ended speaking dissimulation then came to his aid and he attempted though in faltering accents to express his admiration of such generosity yet to bestow such a treasure so inestimable on such a man when so many of equal rank and fortune sighed for its possession upon a man too or rather a boy from whose age it might be expected his affections would be variable "'Let me tell you, Colonel,' said the General, hastily interrupting him, and striking his stick upon the ground as he rose to return to the house, there can be little danger of his affections changing when such a girl as Adela is his wife, so touch no more upon that subject, I entreat you, but you must break the affair to the young fellow, for I should be in such a confounded flurry as should set all in confusion, and beat an alarm at the first onset.' The gloom and embarrassment which appeared in the countenance of the Colonel filled Oscar with alarms. He imagined them excited by friendship for him. After what the general had said, he sighed to hear particulars and longed for the first time to quit Woodlawn. The colonel was indeed in a state of torture. He had long meditated the conquest of Adela, whose fortune and beauty rendered her a truly desirable object. To resign her without one effort of circumventing Oscar was not to be thought of. To blast his promised joys, even if it did not lead to the accomplishment of his own wishes, he felt would give him some comfort, and he resolved to leave no means untried for doing so. They set off early in the morning for Enniskillen, and Belgrave sent his servant on before them, that there might be no restraint on the conversation he found Oscar inclined to begin. End of chapter eleven.